words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. So um, today we're going to be um, talking a little bit about um, a subject that I think is, you know, very basic and very easy, but, you know, sometimes it's good to just hear this again. I'm sure it's something that you've heard in one way or another. Um, is the diligent pursuit. And, um, you know, I pray that God would minister this to your heart in the way that he wants you to individually receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, okay, so first of all, let us um, do a regular English study of um, definition. What is it to be diligent? So I went to the first place that we go to, um, as English speakers, the dictionary. And um, to define that word, diligent, the word diligent is to be constant in effort, to accomplish something, to be attentive and persistent in doing anything. It also means something that is done or pursued with persevering attention, sometimes painstakingly. And I want you to remember that part the fact that it can actually be sometimes painstaking. And, um, you know, because it's a phrase, the other word is pursuit. What does it mean to pursue something? Pursuit basically means to chase after something or someone, or, um, you know, some of the synonyms of pursuit is, uh, or are, to chase after, search for, quest after, or seek out. And I'm just going to hold on to seek out. So um, in discussing the diligent pursuit of God, I think, you know, what God is trying to tell us is to seek him out in every aspect and situation of our lives. Um, I kept thinking of the best analogy to use and I thought of all the animals and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know too much about animals and different ways to bring this across. But something that's ministered to me and the way you know I saw it is like, um, so imagine being you know, home in a familiar environment, in your room, wherever it is, and the light gets cut off, it's dark. And then at this point, you need light to be able to navigate your way around. So because it's a comfortable environment, you know where things are. You know that there are shoes there, this is here, and you know where things are usually situated. But at that point, you need you know, your source of light. And you know that you have a flashlight somewhere. Maybe there's a place where you just keep it. I mean, this is Nigeria, so I'm sure everybody has some sort of light. Thank God for phones now, so you know where your phone is. And you're navigating through trying to find it, whatever that source of light is. So in searching for that, you feel shoes, you feel a piece of jewelry, you feel a shirt. And maybe if you're lucky, you feel something that feels like a bundle in this season of cashlessness. And you're like, yes, I knew I had some money there waiting for me, you know? But even through that, so that is a blessing, right? You're like, okay, all these are the things that can bless me. However, to see all these things, you still need light. And then you finally find the flashlight and you pop it on. Think about it, that is exactly what it means to diligently pursue something. 
So even in that place where all those things are important and all those things are useful and maybe even absolutely necessary, sometimes even a miracle, um, you need the light to be able to identify it. And that light is God. That is what we diligently pursue after. So in every aspect of your life, when that light shines, it gives you a clear vision of what it is that you have. So now let's go back to that analogy and all the different things that we found along the way. Let's go to the cash. You take the light and you turn it on. It could be monopoly money or it could be cash that is no longer accepted. Or it really could be what it is that you've been looking for. It could be a blessing. So in our own mind, it's easy to just see something and identify it as something that is useful to you at that time. However, if you turn on that light, if you turn on the light of God, you see it clearly, and then you are now able to know what to do with it, and God will give you discernment on how to navigate through it. Um, it helps you identify the good, the useless, the bad, and it just sort of gives you direction on the way to go. So in giving that analogy, what I'm just trying to get across is that when you were looking for that flashlight, nothing else mattered at that time. The first thing that you should always do is seek out the light in your everyday life. Seek out God, put his lens on, and he will help you identify clearly what each and everything that is coming your way is for or how it is that you can use this. So um, that is a way to diligently pursue God. And you know, when you're thinking about it, you're like, how do I just diligently follow? So um, I found the light. I'm just gonna carry my flashlight and go everywhere. But you know, you either run out of batteries, if it's a lamp, you run out of oil. So you need to constantly keep it burning. You need to constantly keep it alive and you need to have steady focus. So to diligently pursue God, you need eternal vision. And what that means is that you're staying focused on one thing and you keep asking yourself the question, you know, Lord, what is it that you're saying concerning this situation? Lord, where is it that you're directing me to? You have to be able to scrutinize everything through the lens of Christ. So every time that you turn on that torch, every time that you turn on that light to identify something, you don't only turn it on to identify, you turn it on to navigate through um, your day through your life through everything that it is that you're doing so every time that you turn on that flashlight it is you um, you know sort of going back to God and saying lead me because wherever it is that you point that torch to it blares out a light and that light now shines brightly for you to be able to identify what it is that you need to be getting to or where it is that the Lord has you go to so because that light is God in our lives, we now end up seeing things through the lens of Christ. Um, you also need dogged faith. And, you know, I'll talk about that again before, you know, as I go along. And you need to fearlessly follow Christ. You need to be confident in what it is that you're doing. You need to be confident in the God that you serve. You cannot serve him a little bit. 
you need to be dogged. You need to be fearless. You need to say, you know what, I'm not scared. I like it when I see people who, you know, we should all really be like that, where you just take on something and say, Lord, it's you and I in this. This is how we're going. I'm holding on to you. This is what your word says. You have to do it in a fearless way and just truly confidently carry the mind of God and the lens of Christ in every aspect and every situation that you're faced with. So um, let us read, before I just end up telling you stories, um, let us read from Romans 12, from verse 1 to 2, and I'd like to point something out there. Um, please, if we have the message translation, please put it up. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. it up okay so um, I'm going to read so here's what I want you to do God helping you so remember God helps us do this take your everyday ordinary life you're sleeping, you're eating going to work walking around life and place it before God as an offering embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. And verse two, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed well maturity in you. So um, just reading through this scripture, there's so much that you know I'd like to point out. But first of all, you must place your life as an offering before God. And if you see that, um, you know, in diligently pursuing after God. You know, I think this is a good scripture that actually breaks it down. Sorry, I just want to open it in front of me too. Okay. So in diligently pursuing after God, um, I think this is very important to um, note. First of all, you must place your life as an offering before God. And you must also know that God is interested in every aspect of your life. So when I gave the analogy of, you know, the flashlight and identifying those little things, those are the little aspects of your life. And there are some times that we just feel like, oh, this is not important. I don't need to pray about it. Just get up, go ahead and do it. Get up, go ahead and grab that bottle of water and drink it. You know, everything, if you truly have eternal vision, every time that you rise up and you turn on that flashlight, you would do it through the lens of Christ. And in turn, follow him because you are diligently pursuing what it is and his mindset concerning that situation. Um, also, um, another part of that scripture says, embrace what God does for you daily. So even as he's involved in our everyday life, he wants us to embrace this and identify it. You know, people sometimes identify some things as little mercies. And that is actually something I have a big problem with because I don't think there's any mercy or any miracle that is little. 
So embracing that and identifying that is you adding it to your everyday life and diligently pursuing God. Um, before I continue, it's also important to note that in your diligent pursuit, it is a mindset that you must have. It is a culture that you must build within you to know that in everything that I do, I am focused on the Father. You know, we make it seem like it's so hard sometimes, but it really isn't. So if you carry that mindset, and you know, going back to that dark room, if you carry that flashlight all the time, then you would have light shining through the things that it is that you do. Um, it also says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without thinking. It's so important that we think through things. You know, we think through, we're discerning. And that is why if you turn on that flashlight and the Lord ministers to you, it is a thing of discernment. He shows you the way to go. He opens up your eyes to see some things that you normally would not see. In the place of feeling around and facing everyday life, when you turn on that flashlight of God and you are discerning, when you diligently pursue after God, he will reveal what that is. He will give you the true picture of it. And even though I joked about it when I was talking about the cash and saying, oh, you can think it's monopoly money, is this and that. But for the people in the world, they are blinded and they're still in that dark place. So they would always hold that as treasure. But when God and that light has shone on it, it gives you the true picture of what it is. Without the light of God, you're just going to hold on to so many things that you think are treasure. You're going to hold on to so many things that you think are important. You're going to end up wasting your time and energy on the things that are trivial. That is why we diligently pursue God. That is why we diligently carry that flashlight and shine it every day into every aspect of our lives. Because without that, we'll have a baggage of nonsense. And that is not the life that we're called to live. We're children of God and we must live with purpose. We must live diligently. We must live with focus because we are directed and called by him. Um, another point that, was, um, that really stuck out to me in that um, scripture, it says, quickly respond to what God wants from you. Be discerning and act fast. You know, I'm, I'm a thinker, I'm an overthinker, me confess. Maybe God would deliver me here today. <laughs> so even in small things, something as small as changing my phone case, if you give me two options, I'll send a picture to my friends know me. So which one do you think is nice, the black one or the white one? I have some people now that have left me and say, you know what, whatever. You need a phone case, just buy it. So sometimes we overthink. And in that place of overthinking, it might be you wasting time, which is why we need discernment. Because it says here, quickly respond to God. So if you're going to quickly respond to him, you also need to know that he's the one talking to you. If your flashlight is on and you see an ant and God says, kill it, you go like that and kill it. 
You're not there saying, um, what does the scripture say about killing ants? Should I leave it? Should I just have dominion over it? You're not overthinking anymore. So that's why the first thing that you must do is diligently pursue. Turn on that flashlight so that anything you're seeing is like you're constantly connected. You are sure of light. You're not in the dark place where you are now assuming. You don't now have to overthink. When that flashlight is on, when you have that flashlight of Christ on, you are not overthinking anything. In fact, you see the black case and you say, that's the one the Lord said I should buy. I will buy the black case, you know? And it's in the small things. You know, we always joke about it, but it is really in the small things that, you know, obviously graduate into the big things. God wants to know that you can rely on him. God wants to know that you can trust him. God wants to know that when his light is on in your life, you're just going to relax and follow his lead and follow the path that it is that he has set out for you in that season to follow through. May God help all of us in Jesus' mighty name. So going back to that, it says, quickly respond to what God wants from you, which means to be discerning, to act fast. Do not procrastinate what God wants from you. But to do that, you must be alert and readily recognize what it is that God wants because that's exactly what it even says. You must readily recognize it. And like I just explained, the only way to actually readily recognize it is that when it comes to you, you're ready. Your light is on. I'm going to keep talking about this light until I'm sure all of you are going to think about me this week with a flashlight in my hand, but I think it's a way to go and it is a way to think about diligently pursuing God. Um, this year, starting off this year, something that was really, really strong in my spirit was relying on God and carrying the character of Christ. And... Um, you know, I just felt like the Lord said, there's absolutely nothing that you can do without me. So stop trying and lean on me. I mean, lean on me through it all. Just bring it to me, submit it to me, and then, you know, let me handle it. And that is actually a very tough place to be. Because when you hear the word relax, you hear the word, oh, just go to bed. You think it's literally going to bed. Yes, there are some things that you must do. You must create a platform for God to bless. You know, I remember that I was speaking to someone this week and the person actually said that and it, you know, resonated. And it's so true. But we must know when to stop. We must know when to stand up and grab the flashlight. We must know when to move. We must know when to say yes. We must know when to say no. So I just believe that, I mean, I don't know who this is for, but rely on God. Rely completely on him. This is not the year to um, overstudy. It's not the year to overthink anything. It's not the year to, you know, bring back all the things that you have learned in the past and start, you know, Christianizing and turning everything to religion. God wants us to have a personal relationship with him. He wants you to just lean on him and trust him. And trust him, trust him, trust him through the process. So um, that's something that has been really strong in my spirit. And, you know, even if, as I studied, something that always came up was carrying the true nature of Christ. You know, to carry the true nature of Christ, you know, we must live by um, the fruits of the spirit, which we, 
you know, pretty much already know. But I really like the TPT um, translation of it. So if we read Galatians 5 from verse 22 to 23, if you have the TPT, if not, I'll just scan through it real quick. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions joy that overflows so i like to think about this as a checklist of my daily life and i think it's something that we should all do because this is how you carry the true nature of christ you know joy that overflows peace that subdues patience that endures that's hard but you know it endures um kindness in action a full a life full of virtue faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they're meant to be limitless. They're meant to be limitless. You're meant to have limitless kindness. You're meant to have limitless peace. You're meant to have limitless patience. You know, so as children of God, nothing should steal your peace no matter what it is that is happening around you. It's, everyone will tell you, oh yes, it's easy to say, are you seeing Nigeria? Are you seeing the elections, you know? Um, last week, I was talking to someone and he was so shaken by the elections. Like, are you seeing what's happening? And I was wondering, I was like, ah, it's election now, they've done it, so, you know, let's move on. But he was like, he was a whole body was just, you know, I work in a business that has this person, this tribe, I don't know. And I'm like, no, we'll be all right, you know, let's go. So a lot of people that I've actually spoken to, as much as some people like it, like what has happened, some people don't, and it's ruffled everybody, whether it's your party that one is not, you know, we're not here to discuss politics. It's ruffled everybody because we don't even really enjoy the state of our nation currently but even at that a lot of people that I've spoken to and if you really search your heart there's a level of peace that you have that other people don't have it's not like you're just saying it oh I have peace concerning it I know that you know you truly have peace you're not afraid you're not scared that the sky is going to fall down you know, some people call, say that, oh, it's a Nigerian thing. It's not a Nigerian thing. It's a Christian thing. If you're a child of God, you will not be afraid. You will not be shaken. And you won't start to, you know, a lot of people I spoke to this week have gone back to work, have moved on. You know, it doesn't mean that all the work we've done and the fact that you think maybe you've been deprived of one thing or the other. Some people weren't able to vote. They went out there multiple times. You know, it's a... It's a painful thing, but even at that, you will have peace because you know who your God is. You know the flashlight that you carry. You know that when you woke up that day, when you were praying for Nigeria, you, in praying, you brought out that flashlight and the Lord led you there. He took you to that tolling booth and you voted or you didn't vote and all that, but you're alive today. That's enough to give you peace. It should not shake you. There's nothing wrong with being a little, you know, ruffled. It's part of human nature. But if you just carry that flashlight, there's a confidence that comes with it that you just know, God's got me, so I'll be all right. And that peace just keeps, you know, 
the more that you dwelling it, the you'll be amazed how far it can take you. Even you know, talking about something like loss or death, you know, those are really extreme subjects. But it still comes with a level of peace when you're a child of God. So that peace is something that nobody, nothing in the world can give you. You can only find it in God. And God will give us that peace for as long as we pursue him. Because for us to find it or get anything from him, we must pursue him first to be able to access it. Not to say that there won't be hard days. There would be hard days. The days of temptation will come. But he has already implanted in us that thing that we need. He has used his divine power to implant in us that thing that we need to go through life and to live a godly and holy life. So we will not be afraid. We will not be scared that ah, in case these people come, I may have to do this or compromise. Those things wouldn't happen because it's already in it. But we need to keep practicing and developing it. So if you read from uh, second, if we read Second Peter's two. Uh, chapter 1 3 to 4 um, it says everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by his divine power for all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by his name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness as a result of this, just in case you're lost, I'm reading the TPT translation. Um, as a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, we can experience partnership with the divine nature by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that the world, uh, the, cor the corrupt desires that are of the world. Um, Excuse me. Um, so, like I was saying, there would be temptation, but God has already placed it in us to be able to go through this. And he will continue to strengthen us and see us through the more that, you know, we diligently seek him. He would see us and give us the strength that it is that we need to get through um, those things that are seemingly difficult at this time until they all uh, fizzle out. Um so in doing this, you know, after hearing this, you're like, okay, if I diligently pursue God, it's, you know, sort of makes life better, you know? So what is it that hinders us as Christians? Because there's nothing here that really I've said that, you know, nobody knows or people don't already practice, but what hinders us every day from doing this? What makes it so difficult? What makes it so hard to just wake up and grab that flashlight and say, Lord, it's you today. I want to follow you. What are those things that make it difficult if you think about it? First of all, lack of faith. The word of God says that without faith, it's impossible. It is impossible to please God. For those who come to him must first believe that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So first, there's a place where you must diligently seek him and you must do it faithfully. And he would reward you. So you want that reward, there's a criteria that you must follow. Seek him diligently and he will reward you. 
And then you'd wonder, why do we lack faith? Um, the first thing that, or one of the main things that the devil goes after is our faith. You know, I remember chatting with Pimo one time and we were just talking about faith. And, you know, we started talking about faith as small as a mustard seed. Because I'm like, why would you even use mustard seed, Lord? I have faith, you know. Can you now compare my faith to this tiny thing? If you've seen a mustard seed, you see it's like a little speck. But if you have faith, there's so much that you can do. It gives God, it's like an open door of access for God to just walk in you and through you and in you. So it's something that the devil steals. So sometimes we think we have faith, but there's a place of being shaking. For you to have faith, your faith is dogged. Your faith is, Lord, I'm all in. I trust you. I trust you so much that when I tell somebody the story, they're going to think I'm crazy. But I am crazy about you. I am crazy for you. And I know that you're going to see me through. That is what faith is. Your faith needs to be dogged. So lack of faith is one of the ways that we actually fall short of being able to diligently pursue God. Another one is laziness. So remember when I was defining um, diligence, I said there's a place where sometimes it's painstaking. You know, sometimes we're just flat out lazy, you know, and that is all of us. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say all of us, Pastor Nigel, is here and Pastor Moses are here. But, uh, <laughs> but sometimes you're lazy. Um, you need to invest. You need to invest time. You need to make an effort. If you truly love somebody, you will invest. You know, so sometimes there's a friend of mine I was talking to, and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, I haven't spoken to you in such a long time. You know, just life, Lagos life. And the person said, you know, if you really care about me, you'll find a way to call. And it's true. You can't call everybody, you know, and truly, all the people you say you love, you really can't call them. But, you know, even your husband and wife, both of you leave the same house, but you still speak to each other like five times. Those five times, why do you not call me? Use one to call me, you know? But it's love. If you truly, truly love somebody, there's an investment. There's a little part of yourself that you give. You cannot be lazy. You have to invest in it. There's something, you know, every time. You remember the person's birthdays. You remember to write the person a little note or something and all the nice things. I'm sure some people are rolling their eyes and hmm, love. But you know, <laughs> apart from love, you know, there's a place of investment and we really cannot be lazy. We have to get up and invest in this relationship that we want with God. So if you're lazy, let's go back to that analogy of the flashlight. You say, ah, oh, they shut out the light. Let me lie down and sleep. Then you won't get the flashlight. You need to get up and feel around. So in the flashlight, in looking for that flashlight, it's not always going to be by your side. Sometimes you need to get up and truly start looking. And then after a while you felt something or you heard something fall, you go on both knees and you search. That is you diligently seeking. That is you standing up from a place of tiredness or laziness and actually investing time in your diligent pursuit. So these are some of the things that rob us of diligently um, serving God. Also, procrastination. A lot of people procrastinate. You know, I will do it tomorrow, I will do this. But what does the word of the Lord say? Like we read earlier, it says, when, let me um, quote that 
properly. But anyway, in my own words, it says, you know, if you're sure that it's the Lord, you should respond quickly. Respond quickly to it. You're not meant to procrastinate or overthink it, but you must first be in the place where you readily recognize that it's him, which means that you must always be alert. So for you to be alert, you need to always have that flashlight handy and ready so that when he speaks, even God wants you to respond to him quickly. Because if you waste too much time, we're plenty. And if none of us do it, just be like, ah, look at these people, stones, you, rise up. Do that assignment. May that never be any of us in Jesus' name. That a dead thing will rise up in your place. It will never be any of us in the mighty name of Jesus. We will remain focused. We will remain diligent. And the Lord will use us. He has, he, he breathed life into us. And we have, the life we carry is so precious. May it not be regarded useless in the name of Jesus. So we shall not procrastinate. Um, another thing is spiritual immaturity. Um, this is you imitating the ideas and ideals and opinions of the culture around you. It's a lot easier to do. It's a lot easier to be politically correct. It's a lot easier to do it because everybody's doing it. It's a lot easier to just grab that option because it's you know, the easy way out. But that also robs us of being able to diligently pursue God where you are so spiritually, you know, immature. What do you stand for? You're a child of God. What do you stand for? You have to stand for something. You cannot just accept everything. You know, every time, you know, we keep talking about it, preaching about it, we hear about it all the time, you must stand for something. Nobody's saying, come up here and grab this mic because it's so nerve-wracking. But, you know, there's a place where you have to grab the mic. There's a place where you need to go crazy. There's a place where you need to be in Scotland and be screaming in the middle of the city, no matter what it is. There's a place where you do anything, whether you sell mangoes by the roadside, you must make an impact. You cannot just do things like everybody else. You are different. You are a child of God. And I think it's so important that as children of God, wherever you go, people need to be able to identify that. I always find it very insulting if you have to ask me, are you a Christian? You didn't see it. <laughs> You can't see it. Ah, then I failed today. You know, it's almost like the biggest insult. Maybe, especially if it's because of something that has happened or something happening around me that, you know, sometimes you're just like, hmm, okay. And I'm like, hey, are you? <laughs> Am I? Don't come to Ecclesiastes. Let me tell you something, you know. <laughs> but on a serious note, we, we should really carry that light. We should carry something. You should be different in your office. You should be different at the workplace. You should be the different customer that buys tomatoes from that lady. You should be different, you know? And that difference is the nature of Christ. That difference is what makes you spiritually mature compared to others or compared to the people who are dwelling in the dark place. Praise the Lord. The great thing about God our Father 
is that every time that sometimes he gives us a tall order, he also gives us a promise. There are always rewards that come with it. You know, you diligently pursue him, he's blessing you. His word says, the one who diligently seeks good seeks. But the one, um, let's read that together. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. Proverbs 11.27 and uh, Romans 12 verse 2. Okay, so Proverbs 11.27 says, He who earnestly seeks good finds favor. So you want favor from God, you seek good things. But trouble will come to those who seek evil. So in seeking, you must seek good. Sometimes evil will benefit you more. You know, even though we call it evil, I'm not an evil person, I'm not this, you know, but depriving somebody of something, not giving enough kindness, there's small things that we do that might just be evil to somebody else, but it's just easy for you at that time. Just not even caring. Something, I mean, driving across the road, someone's trying to walk past, it's asking yourself, what is in my heart? You could really have stopped Instead of just trying to ram into the road, you see it's raining, and then you go ahead and splash on that person. It's just little acts of kindness. Those are the things. If you truly seek good things, the Lord will bless you and favor you. Another one is Romans 12, uh, verse 2. And that says, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you to its level of immaturity, God brings out... God brings the best out of you to develop you. Is that up? Okay. And do not be conformed. Okay, so this is another uh, translation. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Yeah, so God reveals his will. But please, do you have the um, message translation? You don't? Okay. Um, Okay. Verse 2. Okay. Don't become, yes. So don't become so well adjusted to the culture, to your culture, that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-transformed maturity in you. So if you can do all these things, try to live a spiritually mature life, and um, you know, you're not giving in to the culture around you, God truly does bring out the best in you. And the truth about it is that the best in you, you cannot even imagine. The best that is in you is something that you have never thought of. So if it's so easy, I mean, it's so easy, all you need to do is submit yourself to God, and he has promised that he will bring out the best in you. So that is something that we're aiming for. You know, God says, do this, and then you are rewarded with a blessing of the best in you. May none of us die without experiencing and giving the world the best of us in Jesus' name. May he bring us to that place of high spiritual maturity where we are not conforming to the culture around us, where we truly are standing 
for him and standing for that which is right before him in Jesus' name. And as I come to a close, um, you know, I just sort of summarized everything. I think it's important, you know, to stay in check. Um, one of the ways you can do that is to have the character of Christ and view your everyday life through his lenses. So please, with my torch flashlight analogy, carry that torch, carry that light. Because every time that you see something that that light beams on, it is you wearing the lens of Christ. It is you diligently pursuing him in order for him to reveal himself to you. Secondly, love and fear God. You know something I realize? You can like God. You can like the things of God, but not love him. Because if you love him, you would fear him. And you would put him as the foremost of everything that you do. If you truly, truly love God, you will show in, it will show in your life. And that fear of God would help you in your daily judgment of life, in the daily actions that you take, in the daily things that come into your mind. The love is it's birthed from a place of love. So I want you all to always think about it that do I just like and enjoy this Thing. Oh, I'm a Christian. I go to this church and I do that. And oh, sometimes it's even between you and God. So some, you know, we forget and we just, you know, make this big thing. So you just like God. You wake up. God has been good to me. Thank you, Lord. You know, but you need to love him. And in loving somebody, there's a place of sacrifice. In loving someone, you must spend time. In loving someone, you must show it to the person and God you have asked God how do I show it to you and he would continue to reveal it to you because sometimes the way he wants Sandra to reveal you know Sandra to love him is not the way that he wants me to love him it's not the way that he wants somebody else to express their love so I just pray that God will reveal how he wants you to express his love for him in Jesus name Thirdly, live not for yourself, but live for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14 and 15 says, and it's pointed out there, that, you know, um, we should live for Christ. And I will just uh, read that. So my last two scriptures. So thank you for sticking with me. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14 to 15. Okay. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then died for all. Sorry, go back. If one died for all, can I see that again? Yes. Then all died. And then 15. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Who would you really rather live for? Live for Christ. He has died for you. So why do you not want to come and live this life and die again? You know, he's done 
that he has gone through it for us. So it is time for us to now live for him. We no longer live for ourselves, but we live pursuing the Father. We live pursuing his will. We live pursuing that which it is that he has instructed us to do. So live for Christ. And um, lastly, last scripture, verse 20 to 21 of the same chapter. 20 to 20, okay. Now then, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, this is so powerful. I was on my own. I didn't sin. My blood now is pure. You now want me to go down to earth to die for these people that you have not even really sent yet, but because you already know they are sinners, I just go and die for them. It is so profound. Now, when people ask you, oh, can you die for this person? You've met the person. You've had an opportunity to love the person, to even know that, okay, this is how much I can do for this person. But Jesus was just sacrificed for us just because his blood was pure. He came, he has done the death part, so now live for him. He came, he has shed the blood part, now let us live a righteous life. And all that is asked in return is that we're ambassadors for Christ. There's nobody here, whether it is your first time back at church after a long time, but you know, even just being here, you have experienced God. So be an ambassador for him, represent him, represent him in the world. I always, whenever I read the scripture, I really do think about ambassadors. When you leave where it is that you are, you're going out and you're representing the kingdom. What message are you saying? And what message are you giving? I remember a few Sundays ago when, you know, Pastor Mo preached and said, what letter is your life writing? So your life is a letter to the world. What letter is it writing? Think about that every day. What trail am I leaving? What am I teaching the next generation? They don't have to be your children. Sometimes it's a little pat on the back to say to a little child, you look beautiful, I love you. Or that's not how to do that. That's how to do this. You must make an impact. And you must be an ambassador for Christ. It is time for us to fill the world and to start to infiltrate the different systems of the world with Christ. Because when you're an ambassador, you don't just go represent and do all the you know, nice stuff, take pictures and be on camera all the time. But you actually go and carry a little bit of your culture to those people, wherever it is that you have gone to. So we are carrying the culture and the life of Christ. We carry that torch daily. So we're going to shine it in every aspect of our lives. And even as we go, I just want to remind you. So if you're even asking, you know, how do I do this every day? Where do I start from? Study the word, pray. There's nothing as important as prayer. You can't tell me you love me and you don't talk to me. You can't tell me you love me and you come and you leave. I talk to you, you talk to me. It's a conversation. I love you, I love you too. I love you. Exactly, it feels right. But if I come and say, I love you, but Pastor Mo, please, your belt, your shoe, let me borrow it. This is a conversation. 
you must show God that you are there with him. So study his word. Spend time in prayer. I know it's not about the time on the watch. It's about the quality time. It's about that little time that you spend. And it's about the, I love you and I love you too. That could be two minutes, but it's more powerful than two hours of a conversation. Not to say that you shouldn't spend time studying. Do spend time. There is a place where you really do need to invest those hours. But let the time that you spend with God be quality time. And it is also very important. You need a body of believers because iron sharpens iron. There's no way that we can pursue alone. Because sometimes my torch is dead. And I don't want to turn it on. Just leave me in this dark and let me stay here in my longo for a while. But we all pull each other out and that is why we love each other. That is why we're family and that is why at Ecclesia Hills, we always tell you when you're worshiping with us for the first time that as soon as you come here, you're family. There's a time, I remember, we used to exchange numbers. I don't know if you remember that, but for newcomers, I remember that um, we made people exchange numbers like, you called this person this week, you know. Um, so we've, we, we go the extra mile. If you know Pimo, he'll look for you to your house, to your office, to your business. And then if you don't want him in your life, he'll wait on the street for you with a cup of tea. <laughs> you want some tea? <laughs> no, but on a serious note, you do need a family. You need people to encourage you. You need somebody that you can just call once in a while to say, I'm feeling down today and I know that I should pray, but I don't feel like praying. Pray with me. And sometimes when the person just releases a few words over you, it's open heavens and then you are carrying it through. There's strength in unity. There's strength in all of us coming together. And I pray that God will continue to reveal himself to us and hold us together as a family of believers that we are, even as we grow bigger in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you and I pray that this has ministered to you in the way that God really wants it to and that individually you will receive the heart of the Father in Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 